Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards, Director of the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left is Phil Davidson with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council, Mac RC, if you will. Good morning. Welcome, Phil. Thanks for, thanks for sitting in for Ed. Of course. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you. Where is Ed? Uh, Deutschland, right? <laughs> Deutschland. Yeah, Oktoberfest. <laughs> because he's so German. He is. Ed Maher. It is, you know, like, I get to Going go back to the to, homeland. Yeah, I get to go to places like Indiana and Ohio, and every once in a while I go home to New York, and then Ed is, like, jet-setting around to Mexico, and, you know. He's been on an incredible right? run this year. Boy, he is, yeah. So yeah. he's, so he's Racking up the airline right? miles, yeah. Oktoberfest, yes? A couple steins. Yeah, that sounds like a good time, man. I think he's actually wearing lederhosen. <laughs> is he? <I> swear, <laughs> Let's get a picture. I swear to God. We'll big, put that on the website. Big, big man in small lederhosen. Yeah. Always funny. That's a that's a big pair of lederhosen right there. <laughs> so we have, uh, first of all, we're, we're stoked. We have a really, really cool show today and uh, two two really exciting guests that we have been talking about for months and finally got them on the show, right? Sag, yeah, people who can actually speak knowledgeably about <laughs> the SAG after strike and yeah. not just us kind right. of ripping from the headlines. Correct. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So we have Eric Shadrone. He is the executive director for SAG AFTRA. And then we have Charles Andrew Gardner. He is actually the president of SAG after Chicago, which actually covers the Midwest. So so they're going to be on in the next segment, um, and we're going to talk with them uh, both about, basically about all the entertainment strikes that have been going on. But before we get to that, um, I just want to, I, I just got to go back to this one more time, Phil. There was an article in New York Times Magazine, and it was called The Kids on the Night Shift. Yes. I saw the headline. I haven't read it yet because it's a deep dive, but I'm excited to to get into it first of all it's going to make your blood boil yeah um second of all you know we have been talking on this show about child labor and we continue to talk about child labor and we should the words child labor should never have come out of our mouth to begin with and sure enough not in this century no that's exactly right and so this article talks about how the fact uh about the um poultry processing plants and i think it was like in west virginia and a purdue plant and just how now it's not only just kids working but now it's um people that are crossing the border from guatemala it's immigrants right kids uh undocumented and coming over here at age 13 to send money back to their family right and and the companies are turning a blind eye to it they're saying it's like a completely open secret like yeah. there are communities you know in this article i like i said it's going to drive you crazy it's called dreamland <laughs> it's, you know, dreamland and sure enough there's a bunch of 14 year olds that go and what do they do they clean these meat processing plants which by the way are like a mile long yeah um using like you know power washers and chemicals and all this kind of stuff and th- these kids are kids and they have to wear like two or three layers of clothing and the clothing is too big for them and you know a bunch of gloves and it's, it's really it's just accident prone yeah it's accident prone so sure enough one of the stories is about this kid that got his arm caught because his clothes were, were too you know loose fitting and almost you know lost his arm um and so like you know you, you think to yourself why, why is this still going on? Like, how is this possible that this is still going on? And what about all these, you know, Americans looking for jobs and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's enough to drive. It, it just drives me insane. So I read this statistic, Phil, that the Department of Labor has 750 investigators for 
11 million work sites. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And 3,000 slaughterhouses. And even at the state level, because that's, that's federal, right? Right. But even at the State Departments of Labor, I mean, you're talking about a handful of investigators for entire oh, state. Yeah, right. I mean, in, in Illinois, I'm, I'm sure it's under 20. Imagine that? Yeah. Right, so 20 yeah. investigators tasked with, you know, overseeing the safety and, and health conditions and making sure that companies are, you know, A, paying a fair wage or the right wages or, you know, at least the minimum wages, uh, OSHA violations, things like that, right? Yeah. Um, and then, so so it's impossible. Right? Yeah, you can't, you can't police it. Right. Yeah. So once again... Uh, I know President Biden is a listener. Um, hey, President Biden, do me a favor and, you know, let's pump some money into the Department of Labor and not just the Department of Labor that goes after unions, because that's the part that we don't like. Mm-hmm. So we could defund that. One. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. Get rid of that. That one we actually don't need. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, we got to take a, a quick break uh, and then we'll be back with the two heavy hitters from AFTRA. SAG AFTRA, that is. Yeah. Um, very exciting. Right here on 720, the workers Mike. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I am Ken. Sitting next to me is Phil. Welcome back, Phil. Yeah. Can't wait for our segment here. Um, And so we uh, talked about this on on the top of the program. We are pleased to welcome um, SAG-AFTRA. The executive director, Eric Shadrone. Eric, welcome. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. And uh, Charles Andrew Gardner is the president of SAG-AFTRA Chicago, but that also covers the Midwest, right? Yes, it does. How how far? Like, where do you go? Uh, A couple of states. So we cover uh, parts of uh, Indiana, uh, a couple parts um, of, like, downstate Illinois. Uh, Eric, what's what's some of the other states? Yeah, so... So Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, all those. Got it. And then we have the eastern part of Iowa from Des Moines East. <laughs> and okay. then we but then we also service the contracts for Minnesota, mm-hmm. Michigan, and um our T V theatrical, which is currently on strike, we, right. we handle a lot of the work for the Ohio Pittsburgh local too. So it's wow. a pretty pretty wide reach when you mm-hmm. figure all the work that we do. And so wow. you're so Eric, you're on staff. Right. That's correct. And, and uh, Charles, you're an, an actor slash voiceover. Like, explain what what do you do? Uh, so, I'm, as the president, yeah. uh, it's a volunteer position. Okay. Um, you don't get paid. I don't get paid. Not not in cash. You know what I'm saying. But I think that getting paid and and just the support that I can offer to the union and being able to offer my creative leadership and my thought leadership um, and to help the direction of the local um, and and really nationally to help the direction of the union. Um, that's payment enough for me. Good you for know? you. Good yeah. for you. I mean, spoken not like a building trades guy. No, no. <laughs> tell tell everyone who who do you guys represent? So yeah, who, like, who yeah. are the who are the members of SAG? I mean, what what is it? SAG after stand for yeah let's start sure. with that yeah, yeah. so um, I'll take this one you can you can you know <laughs> chime in add where you need to Great. Uh, Screen Actors Guild SAG is Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA is American Federation of Television and Radio Artists they used to be two separate unions until 2012 we had a merger in 2012 and um, just so you know AFTRA traditionally had been a broadcast union uh, then in um, uh, over the years. Leading up to 2012 merger, uh, 
after sort of moving more into some of the things that SAG had done. So there was some, some conflict in there. Interesting. And smarter people, cooler heads prevailed, and we had the merger so that we weren't competing for that work and people weren't paying double dues. Because, yeah. you know, you had to be a member of both unions. So it was kind of a it was kind of a mess, yeah. but the, the merger took care of a lot of those those yeah. issues. That, that, was a good that, idea. Make, that makes sense. And then, so how many members total in SAG after nationwide? Nationwide, we have about one hundred sixty thousand. Okay. Uh, here locally, we have just over five thousand. That's it. Mm-hmm. Five thousand. Yeah. yeah. So every, that's actually a pretty, that's a, a pretty big number. That's, we're, that's we're happy a, with that. That's a big number. <laughs> that's a good yeah, number. Yeah. So Chicago, just so so we all know, uh, we we go back and forth uh, between the third and fourth largest local in the country. Really? Yeah. So what's number one is L A. L A. Yeah. New York. Yeah. L A. New York and, and what? us. Then you guys. The majority of the time okay. in San Francisco, uh, D C. Um, D C. D C. Oh, okay. Yeah. DC um, because they have a huge broadcast uh, membership. That's uh, that's yeah. what kind of makes all the, them all, all, bigger the new, all the news. Sometimes we go back and like Charles said, we go yeah. back and forth. <laughs> I got it. It's a it's a it's a point of contention between us and DC. We have a very friendly rivalry on it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, maybe we can get some more studios to build some buildings here. Right yeah, there, you go. Yeah. Do you guys and, represent broadcasters, news mm-hmm. broadcasters here as well? Yes, we okay. do. Okay, so, pretty much everywhere across the city. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the on-air talent. That's correct, and some producers Except and WGN. some. Yeah. <coughs> <Except WGN. coughs> you got a cough there? I, I do. Someday, yeah. someday soon, hopefully. Uh, we're working on it. Fox in the henhouse, if you will. Uh, put, but put, on, put, on, put on your yeah. earmuffs, next star. <laughs> <laughs> but so that, and then obviously uh, television and screen actors, mm-hmm. stage actors, not stage actors. Okay. Stage actors are covered under equity. Um, that's actors that's equity. That's actors what that is. Equity. Okay, I was wondering yeah. about that. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's stage. That stage. Mm-hmm. So there are no other competing SAGs, for example, or afters. No. no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That would be it. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Good for you. Good on you guys for, for getting that that accomplished. Kind of mm-hmm. like I think what the carpenters are doing is is coalescing your power throughout the Midwest. And yeah. I, and I think it, I just think it makes sense. I think too often labor is divided. Mm-hmm. Story for another day. So let's let's um, let's get down to it a little bit. Um, the strike, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we, we've been running our mouth about it, but, you know, we, we literally, like Phil said, we, we just talk about what we read in the headlines. Correct. You know, how, how's it been for, yeah. you, for you as an actor? Boots example? on the ground. Yeah. Well, yeah, what's yeah. going on? How's it affected you? It's slow. Yeah. It's slow. I mean, we, we still have contracts that we can work, right? So it's this is only the TV theatrical contract that we have negotiated with the AMPTP. Um, and, you know, we have interim agreements, uh, which, I, you know, I hope we talk about a little bit more uh, as the show goes on. That's, that's keeping us still working in, so, in uh, some... Let's, let's, let's talk about it right now, because I know that was there was a bone of contention about some of those, right? Mm-hmm. I think Sarah Silverman came out and, and was, you know, kind of vocal against it. If I'm not mistaken, what is an interim agreement? So the interim agreement is basically what we were trying to negotiate with the AMPTP. Um, if it is what we were trying to negotiate. Uh, and productions come forth and say, hey, we still want to make our film. Um, they sign the interim agreement, which agrees to everything that we have on the table with the AMPTP. And then they can make their project. So it's, I think it's pretty smart uh, of, of the union because it's saying, hey – these terms are not outrageous. Somebody, somebody can afford them. They can afford them. They can do them. Got and it. we want actors to get back to work. We want members to get back to work. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's the argument against against these interim agreements then? Like what was Sarah Silverman's beef? Do you know? Well, I think the, the one issue that, that we've sort of ironed out, but which was kind of concerning at the start, and I'm not sure if this was Sarah Silverman's argument, um, was the fact that the Writers Guild still – 
you know, the, it didn't address the issues that the Writers Guild right. had. So, right, so yeah. there was, so we had to basically navigate that that sort of. Um, I wouldn't call it a minefield, but it was certainly a, a very delicate process of Got making it. sure that we weren't undermining the writers. So that okay. was that was I guess if there was a a, a a con against it, that would be it. So so Charles, you make a good point, and it's one that you know I'm gonna for me I have to break everything back down to the building trade so I understand it a little better. Mm-hmm. But you know we'll have our heavy highway agreement uh, against. Um, you know uh, the the big contractor Marba, for example, and they won't sign. But yet, the small association out in Will County will sign that exact same agreement. Mm-hmm. So, boom, work starts up in Will County, but it's not over here in Chicagoland because they won't sign the exact same agreement that Will County signed. So that's and so it's putting our members back to work and exactly doing what you just described is showing, you know, the consortium here that oh, by the way, they can afford it exactly. And yeah. by the way, if they can afford it out in Will County. There's no reason you can't you afford can't. it here in Chicago. Yeah. So if these smaller companies can afford it, there's no reason why the big heavy hitters that you guys are striking can't afford that exact same thing that you're asking for, correct? Exactly. And then and when the interim agreement or, or when the ultimately, you know, hopefully the strike ends soon and when that agreement is done, do those interim agreements automatically adopt the terms of the, the big one? Uh, it just depends on if they're signatory to the agreement, but usually that's the case. Yeah, they will, they will end up just basically... Um, you know, adopting the agreement that's agreed to at the table. So it, okay. it might be more favorable, it might be less favorable, but most likely it's going to be um, a win-win for yeah. these guys once they've signed on. So, okay, now let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, first of all, how long have you been uh, in, in this business? So I've been in the business since I was nine years old. Man. Wow. I, I grew up in Chicago. So I grew you're up chi- in the- child labor. <laughs> the original. Were, weren't we just talking about that? <laughs> Ixnay on the nine-year-old. Well, look, look, look. I do actually have. Uh, I, I knew. I knew that I was. This was my career yeah. from the beginning, and so from nine years old, I've kept every single script. And I came up with this little system when I was like in high school. I was like, okay, I got this file folder. And on this file folder, I'm going to write the year that I did this play. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write um, what role I played in this play. And I'm going to put a little dollar sign on it if I got paid. Because uh, okay. I got paid for my first play uh, my, my, in eighth grade. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. You know, I knew from that point on that in, this in, was in, the in, career. Not in high school. Like, I mean, the play was someplace else, right? Someplace. It wasn't like in your school. No, 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 no. Like your school wasn't paying you under the, the school table. Was, to, like, no, the school was not school paying play. me. Like, the guy's a professional, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the school didn't buy you a car. Like, you know, this like, wasn't filled around the roof at Hebrew school, okay? <laughs> Good one. Ouch, a, a Jew joke in there, Phil. Thanks. Well, you like to bring it up a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so you've been doing and this. And your, your parents didn't Macaulay Calkin you. You they got paid, right? They did not Macaulay I did get paid. Now, this was, I think this was before Coogan accounts, you and that, that happened recently, but I did get paid. And the point of it is, is I've been at it for a long time, y'all. How old, um, how old are you now? I'm 37 now. Yeah, okay. yeah, so I went to school for it. I've been studying. I've been back in Chicago working professionally since 2008. Um, joined the union in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as, as an actor uh, and as a person in, in general, I think... Um, if I belong to something, I want to really belong to it. I want to give as much as I can. So I ran for the board in 2012, uh, yeah. 2015, excuse me. Okay. Got elected for the president in 2017, and, and right now I'm in my, my fourth term as the president. So um, your best year in Chicago, mm-hmm. how much did you make? 
Oh, you getting all in my pocket, man. Uh, <laughs> it, it, my best year, uh, let's see. Oh, okay. This was, uh, I want to say it was right before my wife and I got married in 2014. And I voiced... Uh, That's right. It was before marriage. Was before. That's the non, non, non-marital income. Smart move. You're just, you just want to be everybody's favorite this morning. <laughs> Smart move, my friend. <laughs> there goes the women demographic. Right, right. Um, but you, no, but, you don't need to get numbers. Is it enough to live on? Is it enough to live on and pay your rent and everything? He was about to give a number. I wanted to hear it. I wanted no, to see if no, I should switch I careers. I wasn't going to give an exact number. I was going to yeah. say I did pretty well. Okay, okay. I did pretty well. I, I voiced uh, a missed twist campaign, and so I had radio commercials. Got I had it. I had uh, television commercials. It, it was it was so like it was pretty Phil, nice. Phil said, in is it Charles? Is it enough to um, like pay the bills and pay your mortgage and have a house and have a family? Like, is is it that kind of income here in Chicagoland for working? Uh, SAG after member. I think here in Chicago and across the country, even in New York and LA, mm-hmm. sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Okay, yeah. it's the nature of the business. The nature of the business is when I'm working, yeah. I'm I'm thriving and I'm doing it. Uh, and when I'm not, I'm I'm waiting on my next gig. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to auditions and and hopefully, um, you know, during this time, during the pandemic, any time that we're not working, even when the strike is lifted and sure. and we're not working. The, the real question is, what am I doing in between? Right. What am I doing to constantly cultivate my skills, my craft, right? So that way, when I do have a job, I'm ready to roll. Yep. I think one of the things that we're definitely striking over is the residual structure in the streaming I, yes. contracts, and right? I want to get to that, and, and this is important. Can I, wanna, can, I, I, hit can I just say one thing about what Charles said? Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's really important to remember that um, – Charles is probably um, an example of a, a more successful, Very successful member right. of, our, of our union. We like have, and I'm not saying that people. We have a lot of really talented people that just don't have the fortune that 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 Charles has had, right? Or, and I think that's come from or the, he, or he, the, or the talent. He, well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly talent and hustle is what yeah, really has made him. Sure. But it's not everything, right? Sometimes right. You, you sometimes you're just the right person for the role, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sure. so. I think just to sort of give a little bit more depth to what Charles is saying, I think that you're going towards something I think that's really important is that not everybody has that talent and that drive to be able to get there. I I get it. I get it. A lot of people have to work a second job, basically. Absolutely. 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 So listen, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to get to that. I want to talk about, you know, some of the issues in the strike and I want to talk about, really drill down on some things that I find fascinating about your uh, your union that's that's different than what we're used to. So we have to take a, a quick break. Uh, we will be right back. You guys will stick around? Sure. sure. All right. We're, we're going to be right back with um, Eric Chadrone and uh, Charles Andrew Gardner from SAG-AFTRA right here on the Workers' Mic 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Phil, and thank you guys for sticking around. We have Eric Chadron, um, Executive Director Correct. right, of the Chicago uh, SAG After Local, and we have Charles Andrew Gardner, President <coughs> of the uh, Chicago Local of SAG After as well, which covers giant geographic jurisdiction, uh, which we just learned. Um, thanks, guys, for staying around. This is mm-hmm. this is super fascinating, by the way. I I. I I have more questions than than you can imagine, but you know, off air we talked about like what is it like for somebody that is is not in that you know that upper echelon or even the echelon where they can afford to 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 support themselves and their families in their craft. Like, what is it like for that person right now while mm-hmm. they're on strike? Yeah, 
Yeah, right now it's it's trying to figure it out. You know, looking for the next job. You know, um, outside of our decided passion and our decided career path, um, because that that opportunity, for, at least for that contract, has been taken away. Um, so it's it's putting trying to put together the the pieces, man. Um, and it's tough. I've I've talked to a lot of members, um, and they just don't. They're, they're hopeful that the strike ends soon um because you got to remember we just came out of a pandemic yeah. where a lot of our work was affected and stopped for years yep you know and then do you, to do hit you think, this uh, do you think that the studios thought because you were coming that we were coming out of the pandemic that you wouldn't have the impetus to strike i you know it's hard to get inside their heads because they've been so insane in some ways um but i would say this i think that they didn't realize that we would have the unity, yeah. both within our union and with other unions, and you know specifically the Writers Guild, for sure. Um, so I don't. I think that they probably banked on there being some dissension, maybe a maybe a quick strike with people getting antsy. But right. I don't. I don't think they prepared for this kind of unity. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, wonderful to see this unity, and I think that you saw. You know, we talked last week about you know the Drew Barrymores and Bill Maher, and the, oh, we're gonna we're gonna come back, and you know, blah blah, and then of course they immediately uh, about face because they just took forty years of goodwill and yeah, <laughs> flushed right. it down the toilet. Yeah, right. It's just a stupid move. Yeah, but you know, from from our standpoint, from the building trades. You know, I just remember striking in the middle of the recession, right? Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. are like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, let's just do it. We got to do what we have to do. Um, but it's it's good to see labor. And, and I, now I'm saying labor, you know, with a big L, meaning you guys and the writers um, and the building trades and IATSE and the Teamsters and everybody that's involved in you. And what just happened with UPS and the UAW right mm-hmm. now, right? I mean, look what they're going through. Yeah. I mean, there's strike after strike after Hot strike. Hot summer. Right? Yeah. And, you know, I read an article uh, this morning that 60 plus percent of the country supports what you guys are doing, what the UAW is doing, what the Teamsters did. And that's a big number. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was like 80% Dems, but it was still like 55, 60. Oh, no, it was, it was high 50s. For Republicans yeah. that normally That's right. are not pro-labor. And I mm-hmm. think you're starting to see a little bit of a sea change. And you mm-hmm. guys are doing what I think you know, is God's work because you are bringing to light you know, the disparity between executive pay, executive mm-hmm. compensation, sure. and the worker bee. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I, I'll just tell you, that I, the one thing I think – we have a communications department I think has done a really good job. Um, and one of the things that we've done – and I think it's you know, across the industry – but certainly I want to give credit where it's due, and I think our communications has done a good job of this. The, when we first started on this strike and, and when the writers were starting, the, they got ahead of the ball on one thing. Everybody wanted to, to assume that, oh, well, it's Meryl Streep and Brad Pitt, and how much more money do they need? Yeah. But they, they did a, such a good job of saying that is the tip top, our 1%. And most folks are like Charles, or a lot of folks are like Charles, and they're the middle class actor who's you know working hard to just you know make a living in this business. But then we have this other huge amount of folks. Eighty five percent of our folks don't qualify for health care on any given qualification period, so they're not even making enough money. And that's basically about twenty six thousand dollars. So say, basi- say it again. So what does that mean in plain English? You have to make twenty six thousand dollars in yeah. order so, to qualify for your health care under yeah. a union 85% contract. Eighty five percent does not make twenty six thousand. Eighty five percent of our membership. Yeah on any given qualification period, six-month period, does not make enough money to be able to qualify for health care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that, that really shows you the, the, the disparity, number one, in your ranks, and number two, the fact that people think, oh, my God, it's a strike of the millionaires. It's not, yeah, no. right? right. 80, 80% of people don't make $26,000 in six months. Uh, in a year. In, in a, a year. year. Right, oh, right. Gosh. So, yeah. What of all the, the points of contention 
in this bargaining process with the producers, what's most important to you? Like, what are you like? This is my if I need to see something uh, bargained for, can't like, live, yeah, can't live without. Can't live without. Like, what what would you say of all the the different uh, points that are being addressed right now is so important to you? Yeah, for me, it's definitely the residual structure for streaming. Okay, that is something that will uh, the residuals from streaming. Uh, and, and streaming in general is something that will continue to grow and evolve. And with our contracts being three-year cycles, if we don't jump on this now, that's another three years that we are going to be behind technology. We're going to be behind uh, uh, forward motion and progress in our abilities to make money and also our ability to sustain ourselves when we aren't gainfully employed. So like I said a little bit earlier, yeah, because the residuals will carry you when it, you're not it does, working. Yeah. Right? right? Like, I go, I get on a show, yeah. and then I'm unemployed again, and I'm, I'm seeking work as an actor. But and yet, those residuals... But yet, but yet Netflix is running your show every single day, exactly. every five minutes, right. and somebody can stream it, exactly. and it can be the most successful show in the entire world, and you will have already gotten paid and don't see a penny from that rerunning of those shows, correct? Exactly. You might, you might see seven pennies on a check, right? Well, it's you guys, like, have, done a great, a you guys have done a great job of showing those residual checks. I, saw, I think I saw one check that was negative. Like, we, you owe us three cents. How's that possible? Yeah, right. So they're spending more on postage than yeah. on residuals. Yeah. But that's a great point, right? Yeah. So you should be making money every time that thing airs, somebody clicks on it, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing as like, look, what happened to musicians with Spotify and all the streaming services. Yeah. They just got decimated and they should be making money every time somebody clicks on it and not a penny. Right? You know, and the precedent is already there right like if you look at Tele- all of our t- other television yeah our, our commercials contract our television our network television right. uh, c- contracts right. our, our film contracts yes. right when i do the work yep. i'm paid yep. and then when the work is shared yep. i'm paid yep. and so it, it's not new we're not asking for anything new we're asking new to honor here. yeah you're not breaking what's already existing and i'm also being told or reading that the streaming uh, companies won't share with you mm-hmm. how many streams there are. Yep. Right? Yeah, yep. Very and, secretive and, about that. And, yeah. wh- and, yeah. and why? Because the proof is in the pudding. Right. If, the, if you share those numbers, if you share how viewership has been uh, astronomically increased over the couple, past couple of years, right. then you can't it, you it, can't cry poor. You can't cry poor. And it screws up their narrative. Yeah, it screws up the narrative. You right. can't logically say, "Oh, we can't raise you, you. We can't honor the work that you've done." It's like the the car companies telling the UAW, "Like, oh, mm. no, we can't afford it. We only made sixteen billion dollars <laughs> profits. Yeah. You know, and I only I only personally made thirty million dollars last yeah. year. But yeah. that was based on performance. Got to pass a hat for those guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. So, and, and Eric, you mentioned the writers. You know, there's some synergy between the writers and the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. I thought there was synergy between the directors. Guild, but apparently the Directors Guild didn't think that. They settled very quickly. You know, shame on them, in my humble opinion. Um, but what what is some synergies between the writers and, and the uh, SAG after? Oh, sure. I you know I I got to say there's a lot of commonality in in our um, in our concerns for the next contract, and what you know the biggest one being the residuals for them too. Yep. Uh, I know I don't want to speak for them, but I know their basic issues are that they have uh, uh, that the typical writer is now. Um, basically working a lot more for a lot less and they're basically they're at the point where they're basically work, working for what's called scale okay um and they're working uh, because streaming tends to have less episodes than broadcast tv they're working less total episodes yeah so they earn less, less people in the writer room right right yeah. the, and the, exactly staffing is lower so they're expected to do a lot more with a lot less and then the um you know you'll have 10 episodes of a show and then you're off but then they can hold you as a writer 
for a period beyond that, right? So you might get 10 episodes, but then uh, in the past where you do 22, 23 episodes on a broadcast TV show and have nice residuals, yeah. now you're getting held on 10 lower residuals, it doing a lot more, and then you know, then not being able to do work after that show wraps for when a certain say, period of say, time. When you say being held, explain in, in plain English what that means. Right. So it means that the writer, a writer is on, I don't know, let's, I don't want to take, just say, you know, Bob's Burgers. I don't know, yeah. whatever. Um, and and um, the but they, they write for that. There. Right, right. Yeah. They can't <clears throat> when after the you know after the show wraps for the season, they can't go out and do you know Joe's hot dogs. Right, they can't do that. Now, right, <laughs> so yeah. they, because they, there's a lot of a uh, lot of tethers on those contracts that hold them, so that they can't do multiple shows to be able to make up that money that they lost. Why? What's the rationale behind that? Well, I mean, stream. Well, I'll, I don't know about the rationale, but I will tell. Well, the, you know, there's non competes basically in all across the entertainment industry, which are yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yes. But um, the the bigger issue is that um, it, it is based on an old model, which is what we're trying to update. The old model, which was 23 episodes, you get paid above scale. Typically, you get you know you're getting paid well during there. You're not being overworked, and you get you know uh, you can do your little pet passion project on the 23 weeks or the 28 weeks that you're not working, right? Um, but now it's where you're basically at 10 episodes. They're holding you the rest of the year. You're not getting residuals. It's just, it's, you know, it all adds up to like, I can't make my living in this business anymore. Yeah. <laughs> How do the concerns of AI pertain to actors and screen performers? I know obviously it's a major issue with the writers because we can see what ChatGPT can spit out now. But um, I know that some actors have a concern about, you know, them using your likeness and image in perpetuity and not having to bring. Uh, you know, someone back in for background acting, whatever it could be. But maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, yeah, my my likeness uh, is is one of the main things that protecting my likeness is one of the main reasons that uh, I'm so proud to be a SAG after actor. Right? Like, I know that when I get in front of the camera and they capture my likeness, anytime they share that, I got to get paid. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So you're seeing my art, my work. I should be compensated for that. AI is, hey, let's take a quick picture of you. Cool. Go away. You get paid for that one day, but we're going to keep using that in the filming. And also, we're going to use that in the streaming and the sharing of that art. But you're only going to get paid for that one day of work of capturing your likeness. I mean, that's, first of all, that sounds like literally like something out of a science fiction movie. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, it sounds insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you take it to its logical conclusion, you make season one of blank. And then all of a sudden they have your likeness and they have a you know chatbot write season two through ten right. and use you. They've only paid for season one and, and the rest of it is, is free. So yeah. They, yeah. they can't get it for free. And, yeah. and good for you for standing up and making sure that they don't get it for free because they have to pay workers what mm-hmm. – without you doing the actual work. Like literally without you acting and without the writers writing and without the guys behind the cameras filming. Mm-hmm. there. There is no Netflix, right? There is no mm-hmm. studios. Like mm-hmm. the, without the labor, they just don't exist, mm-hmm. and they think that they're doing you a favor by allowing you to come into this exclusive. You're an actor. Look, you've made millions of dollars. Congratulations. Welcome into the club. Right? No, mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. It is you're doing the labor. You're making them the money. You're the value. You're the talent. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kudos to you for for standing up for this. Um, I want to pivot for a quick second. We've been talking about. And from day one, we started talking about this, and that is there are people in your industry that have been blessed, right? Mm-hmm. They have made it to the top echelons, and they own yachts, and they own mansions, and, you know, uh, the Howard Stearns of the Aftras, and the Tom mm-hmm. Cruises of, you know, uh, the actors, and the, uh, 
even the Taylor Swifts, like she signed a contract right away, right? Mm-hmm. She wants to make her movie. She gave all her truck drivers a hundred grand bonus. I mean, God bless that lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, not everybody is in that boat. But those that are have started to chip in mm-hmm. to uh, a fund. And what's the name of the, what is this fund? Uh, well, there's two funds that they're giving to. One of them is the um, SAG After Foundation, which is directly connected to our um, to our union. Um, but it's, it is a found 501c3, but it's a foundation. But the other one, which has been doing work across the industry, not just for SAG After members, but uh, the Entertainment Community Fund used, yes. to be called, used to be called the Actors Fund until recently. Okay. And um, it's it, it's been to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. I know that uh, you know everybody's heard about The Rock giving money. Yeah, pe- pe- people don't know. It's a little less uh, known that Seth MacFarlane's given ten million dollars, two two five million dollar tranches. I mean, so you know you don't hear about that as much, but you know That's people awesome. like that are stepping up and doing it. It's right. pretty amazing. That's fantastic. Know? So how much, uh, Phil? You saw something that is collected like what? I, I saw one of them collected like fifteen million dollars in like a banner of a couple in two weeks, and they pushed in, out that money to. Yeah, it's 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 given in, as grants. Uh, in in the instance of SAG after, it's given out to our members who are showing financial need, and it's not too hard to do that these days. No, um, it's probably not hard to do that on a non-strike. <laughs> every, exactly. Yeah, right? I mean, when you live in you right. live in New York, Chicago, L.A., like, I mean, half your half your income's going to your rent. So yeah, absolutely, that's. I mean, it's it's literally to help people live, that's and it's right. also then for the like what I call the downstream effects of you know the uh, the the. Uh, IATSE folks and the Teamsters and right. the production workers and the people behind the cameras and the set designers and all those folks like when that, when the this crew. shuts down right the crew everything shuts down right yeah. it's just, look it's the same construction right we shut things down you know the asphalt plants shut down and all the downstream effects everything shuts down as well because there's no need for it you know we have our own strike funds yeah. Um, in, in the building trades, but not every union does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, our strike funds are not, they're not going to pay your Yeah, you're not, you're not right? going to cover your everyday yeah. needs with that. Right. Before we move on from this, I want to, I want to just give a shout out to the, to the Entertainment Community Fund. Yes. So I, there's a Central Regional Council and it's, um, here in Chicago and they are, you know, they do, they do yeoman's work. I mean, New York and LA have pretty big staffs. There's a staff of three folks in the, um, in the Chicago office, and they are doing incredible work. So they've, they're working, partnering with the IATSE, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, yes. uh, Local 476, uh, which is the Studio Mechanics Union. And yes. so Studio Mechanics is basically everybody that works on production besides, like, the professional, like the per- camera, uh, maybe some of the sound folks. But, every, you know, if you talk about set design, if you talk about grips, electricians, all those folks on a, on a set, those folks are in the IATSE. And so they're working in a partnership with the IATSE right now. Um, and uh, and they're they're doing an amazing job of getting out grants to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and they've done a good job. And, and like you said, Ken, the IA we call them the IA. Some people say IATSE, but the IA um, is suffering especially sure. hard right now. Even though they're not on strike, right. they're yeah. suffering because of this right now. Because no they, work. Th- that's yeah. really a middle class job for them. Yes, most of their folks do make their main living uh, doing doing that work. So my next door uh, neighbors yeah. are both in in that local. Yeah. And so yeah. you know, back to what you know the, these. These high-profile uh, actors, um, and I don't know if directors are in it, writers giving. I know some writers have as well, dropping mm-hmm. large sums of money into this thing. Good, continue to do so. Yeah. And, and and you know, to those of you that haven't, Drew Barrymore, um, <laughs> Bill Maher, Bill Maher. You know, uh, he's probably making millions of dollars off his podcast. Of, of course, yeah. they're all yeah. making millions of yeah. dollars. Yeah. Dump some money into this thing. You know, yeah. you want to build back your goodwill. You know, write a check for five million bucks. That uh, I, I have found that there's not a lot of problems money doesn't solve. And yeah. you, and you, and, and we gotta t- we gotta take a uh, uh, one last break. Um, but you know, if they can't outspend you, 
Well, guess what? Then you can last longer on the strike, right? right. And you can bring them to their knees. And that, that's what you guys are doing. This has been fascinating. I could talk about this stuff forever. I really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time. If you just joined us, we've been listening, uh, talking with Eric Shadron. He's the director of uh, sag After here in Chicago. And uh, Charles Andrew Gardner, he is the president of sag After here in Chicago. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. We will be uh, right back and just wrap up the show real quick uh, right here on the Workers' Mic 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. It's Phil. That was really really interesting phil no yeah i had a lot of fun with those guys uh, we i could i could we could talk for hours about this stuff and and we should have them back on maybe get somebody from the writer strike you yeah. know um i always I, i'm always curious about the life of a chicago actor yeah and, it's gotta uh, be tough we, we got it we got a nice little glimpse there from charles for sure um two quick things one is yesterday right we were at the very first grand opening of the uh mcl doctor's office in northbrook yeah that was awesome it was pretty cool huh? yeah nice right? work on that yeah that was a hey thank you 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 guys did all the heavy lifting you and ed and and premise and uh really really exciting so that's the first of i think five first of building, many right? yeah providing yeah. health care directly to our members and if you're a carpenter or an operator at the moment those are the two mcl unions we're hoping to have some more get on board quickly um but you go to those doctor's offices and they're free. Yeah, uh, free is a it's a good price, huh? Free and then bird. and then one last quick shout out. Uh, IATSE is having a service day, and if you remember during the uh, 2008 strike and, and uh, sorry 2008 re- recession, we were f- the, we were feeding people with food boxes. Remember that yep. in, in the building trades. Um, they're doing the same thing right now. So t- um, Monday tomorrow. Uh, from 9 to 11, stop by 5650 West Taylor, Chicago Studio City, and make a donation. Bring some food, uh, bring some canned food, boxes, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you got. And uh, they're going to start distributing to folks uh, at noon. So noon until uh, whenever is distribution uh, time. Uh, 9 to 11 is donation time. So if you're uh, listening and you're going down to work tomorrow, grab some food out of your pantry, put it in a box, go to the food store and buy some food for these folks because they really need it. Yeah, uh, help these folks out. Yeah, help these folks out. It's the right thing to do. That's all the time we got. Uh, we will be back next week with more of The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.